Whether you're learning the basics or you want to be a rock master, we have a class for you from high level overviews to specific features. Find the training class that fits your needs this year at community.rockrms.com slash classes. Welcome back for another edition of the Rockcast podcast. This is a special edition where we get to talk to some of our favorite people in the community and on our team that are doing big things and kind of hear about what's going on with them and and what rock looks like from their perspective. Uh, I'm Emily Foreman. I have John Edmiston. And our very special guest today is Jim Michael from The Crossing. Welcome, Jim. Hello, hello. How are you doing? Just great. How are you? I'm doing great. Well, we're thrilled to have you join us today. It is not often we get to speak with a Hall of Famer on a typical Wednesday morning. We're recording on a Wednesday here, so this is really brightening our day up. Yeah, yeah, that Hall of Famer thing has such a is such a loaded word, but uh, I do enjoy the cool orange guitar. That's right. That One is of the so original fun. Hall of Famers. That's right. That first year. Absolutely. Yeah, that was a that was a shocker. <laughs> That's a lot of fun. Okay, so Jim, let's just jump right to it. You're in the community. Everybody knows your name. What are the things that, where do they run into you? What are you known for in the community? Uh, probably people know me mostly from chat because I practically live in there. It's <laughs> almost like a running joke that I'm in there all the time. But um, it's sort of like a hobby for me where I just, I have it up on my phone. And so in between commercial breaks when I'm watching a show, I'll just see what's going on in in rocket chat and, and I'll answer a question or two. So um, that's probably where I'm most known. Um, I also answer quite a few Q and a questions out there and the uh, sometimes forgotten Q and a. I touch the docs sometimes. Yes. Uh, my fingerprints are on a lot of the documentation. Funny, funny story. Um, I was just constantly pestering John about, I, I love the docs and, but I'm like, Hey, there's a spelling error there. There's a typo there, or this could be more clear. I think he just got sick of me asking for changes. And he just <laughs> said, here, go edit them yourself. So that's just a, a part of the, of the world we grew up in is as uh, working from the church, empowering volunteers. That's what we call that. <laughs> there you go. So be careful what you ask for. You might end up with the job. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, you're just as capable of doing it as I am. And it's probably quicker for you just to go do it than to get a hold of me. And then, so. Yeah. And with, you know, built in trust, you just trust it's only going to get better. Exactly. And uh, so it's it's been um, fun to do that. Um, every I, I kind of add things to the docs self servingly. Like if I get tired of answering the same question over and over That's great. inside of chat, I'll go, you know what? That, that deserves a little paragraph. Um, so I do that. Um, I, I do recipes probably mm -hmm. written, I don't know, 10 or 12 so far. Every time I think there's something useful that other people could use, I'll take the time to do it. Uh, That's they're great. not fun. And there's so much value yeah. in doing that because if you have the knowledge, you've built the knowledge, that, that's the hard part. To take the, the little bit of extra time to put the recipe in now magnifies the impact by you know, almost Exponential. infinite. Right. And I, I just sometimes get so uh, I, I dream about if everybody did that, 
like how much more there would be because everybody's doing great things mm -hmm. and it's just that little extra time to write yeah. it up and share it is is what's holding back a, a, a tidal wave of 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 power yeah yeah i uh i encourage people to do recipes whenever i can and um like i said they're not they're not fun mm -hmm. but they're necessary and uh you taking that time to write it down one time will just benefit everybody who comes along after you so right right um, um and probably the the final way people know me a little bit is from speaking i mm -hmm. think i've presented at rx like four or five years i've lost count I, I i probably have the distinction of having the same session the the like the almost identical session the most number of uh, rx's because i do the security we pull that one out because the newbies um, need to know how to do security and you don't want to tell them to go look at an old video and stuff. So we pull that one out at just about every year. That's a great one. It is good. We hear a lot of good reviews from that. It's so helpful. Cool. Yeah, I enjoy doing it. So that's kind of what I do. Awesome. So I know a lot of people are in one or more of those areas and run into you. And I just want to say thank you for helping model what it looks like to do it well. And like you said, sometimes it isn't always the most fun thing to do in that moment but being committed to the mission of empowering the community and really seeing the payout on that collaboration um, is something that you've managed to tap into and you, you're a great model of that. Well, thanks. I, uh, I enjoy just being, I enjoy being part of a community that you guys have created. So you've made it easy to participate. Um, well, I have to say that nothing that's there now is the creation of any one or two or small group of people. It's all there and it's all functioning the way it is because so many people are diving in and have a, a vision for uh, just improving the ministry of other people. And it's it's a pretty fun thing to be a part of. It is. It is. Um, I've been in IT now, uh, I don't know, 30 plus years. And for some reason, it's just part of my DNA that every time I get in, in a new job or a new piece of software, I find the place where people are talking. You know, it used to be called forums we had the Q&A um, back on our previous church management system. There was a small group of people that, you know, had a place to talk. And for whatever reason, I mean, this was back on the CompuServe days. If, if that's, I'm dating myself if you even know what CompuServe is. Mm -hmm. But I go and I ask questions. And then at some point, I find myself answering more questions than I ask. And I just find that rewarding. And so the natural thing was when we went to Rock, um, I started um, asking questions because I needed to know answers. And then at some point, I was just answering more than I ask. Um, though I still ask a lot. You know, the chat is just as useful to me as it is for me helping other people out. Well, I love, too, how a lot of times you have the ability to answer a question for someone who's new, but you're trying to do the whole teach them to fish thing. And so you'll say, hey, that's in the documentation. Here's a link. And so now yep. it adds to the awareness that, oh, I can link to that. I can find that. It probably exists. I'll go see if I can find it myself. And it empowers people to feel like they can answer questions, too, because it's a right. lot um easier to approach the concept of sharing a link to documentation than it might be to say, oh, here's how you should do something that that could feel a little more intimidating to someone who's new. So I think it's, exactly. it's just a great pattern. And I, I think that's a pattern that we all need to remember. I, I'm always going back to the documentation. There's some features I was working on yesterday and I'm like, I had to refresh myself on exactly how that works. So I, I just go right to the documentation, look it up. And earlier this week, uh, 
some folks who you know really know Rockwell were asking me for a feature that actually was in the documentation. So I shared a link back to that too. So even if you're new or in the intermediate stage, don't be afraid of going back to the docs. I mean, that's, I think, uh, even the, it, the advanced power users are still doing that or forgetting to do that. So. Yeah, yeah, I, I laugh at myself because I have this re reputation for pointing people to the docs to the point that some people say, I've already read the docs, but I still can't figure this out. <laughs> they preemptively. Um, but then like sometimes I'll find myself going in there to say, how do I do this or that? And I'm like, uh-oh, I didn't look at the docs. And there it is. I didn't even eat my own dog food. So um, yeah, it's I humbling when that happens. The search across the docs actually works pretty well too. Like when I'm looking for something, oh, yeah. sometimes I kind of know where it is, but I'll just use the search and it gets me really close. Yep. Yep. That's yeah, been a big help. So Jim, you've been around the rock world since very early on. Can you share with us a little bit about how you ran across rock in the first place and just how far back you do go? So I go back, I don't know, five years. It was whenever John and David presented like a little 10 talk at a church IT conference that they had this new thing coming down the pike. That all they had was some, you know, some mock-up person profile pages and stuff like that. And, and I'm sitting there in the audience kind of like, seriously, we, we just went on this new product, um, which was Arena. And we were really in the thick of that and doing custom development because at that time, it was the only product that let you do that kind of custom development. And they're getting up there and showing this really cool stuff. And I'm just like, we need another church management product, really? And then, of course, I started to investigate. I think the next year, you guys did a, a day um, of presentation pre-church IT network at C, uh, CCB. And uh, I just immediately caught the vision and and the open sourceness of it and, and um, went back to my leadership and didn't have to do a hard sell or anything like that. I was like, you know, we're, this is what we're on now. These guys wrote this other system and it's going to be better in all these ways. So that's what we're moving to. And they said, okay make it happen and just for the just for the record we were kind of on the, on the other side saying the same thing because we had written another system that got sold and then was not trending well and we we're like really we got to do this again really <laughs> we got to create another church management system uh so <laughs> that wasn't necessarily like the uh, the perfect uh straight line we had a zigzag there to to uh kind of get the innovation back that we we felt was needed yeah yeah, so um, I think we've been in production uh, three and a half years, and um, we just love the model. We we love because we were very worried in that time period between the old system and and going to Rock. We kind of lost our developer who did a lot of C sharp code for us on the old system, and he just moved on to different. You know, he went back out into the the real world instead of the church world, and uh, we're like, how are we going to make this happen? And then we came across this model where we could sponsor, pay for a feature that we needed and let the core team develop it. And then everybody gets it. And then guess what? When it's your problem to maintain that code, not ours. Mm -hmm. So we didn't have mm -hmm. to worry about upgrades and stuff failing. And um, so that we just fell in love with the ability to 
get what we need, so to speak, out of the product by paying for those features or going with other churches on a really big feature. I think we were one of the three or four churches that did the um, family check-in because mm-hmm. that wasn't in Rock version 5 is when we started. And it was a kind of a single check-in. Mm-hmm. And we thought that's going to be a little slow for, for our needs. So I think three or four churches went in. We were one of them. And we said, let's, let's add this. And now that's just part of core. So we don't have to maintain it. So we love it. Yeah. There's so yeah, many I examples. I can't imagine doing that. it anyway now. Yeah. And that, and that model seems to be you know really attractive. We hear that a lot that people really like to be able to do that. And, and some churches get so excited about, oh, this is going to go to core and everybody can use it. And I don't think there's many industries where, uh, you know, in the, in the secular world, that'd be called competitors. Um, right. But in our world, it's it's not. They're they're just friends. And, and they love being able to help everybody by the, what they put into the core. Exactly. It's like, you know, it's, it's a win-win. You get what you need, but you're also giving back. So your dollars are going further than you originally intended them. So Yeah. In fact, we often hear too, like someone's working on that feature and they'll say something, hey, these are our requirements. But if you see something else while you're in there that would make it more beneficial to, you know, the big C church, we're willing to, to pay just a little bit extra to, to make sure that it, it's even more extensible for everybody. So don't just put our requirements to this. Think broader. And if, and if, if there's a way that we can help that, we're really interested in that. And that's, that just blows you away. Mm-hmm. Definitely. That, that's kind of the point of what we're doing. We're just really making an exponential impact on ministry by everyone sharing the tools that they have and just think how much faster everyone can get the same foundation, uh, the same learning practices, and then be looking at the new and innovative things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I like it when you guys push back, when we um, suggest a feature that we need and you're like, Hey, could it work this way? Because it would be much more, you know, um, extensible and usable instead of that little niche that you're, you think you want that niche, but what you really want is this, feature that can do a whole bunch of other stuff. So. Yeah, extensibility is good because even for the single church, things change. So, you know, I always learned, you know, when we worked at CCV, it might be, the, well, CCV needs it this way, but I always wanted to write it a very extensible way because I knew today it was this way, but it was probably going to change and uh, it'd be easier long-term uh, to uh, make it extensible and configurable. Yeah. On the flip side, we appreciate it when we once in a while we'll, we'll request a feature that is really specific to us. It's something that a church isn't probably going to want or need because it's just part of something we do. And you guys are up front and say, we'll do this, but we, we're not going to maintain that forever. If, if, you know, rock version 11 breaks this, then you're going to have to revisit and, and, you know, pay to have it fixed up. So it's not like you you just pay for something once and get it forever. If it's a really niche thing that doesn't end up in core, um, you still end up having to maintain that over time, but it's a lot less than paying a full-time developer. So yeah. it's still a win for us. And there's been a couple of projects we worked together with you guys where the, because of the timing, we couldn't flesh out the feature and get it into core because of the, of the need. Uh, but it gave us good ideas that got put into it in the next release. Mm-hmm. So, uh, that's what I love about working in the trenches, you know, helping you guys and many, many, many other churches is you get like barraged with good ideas where if you, if you just sit in a closet, there's no way you're going to get these ideas. Yep. 
So Jim, your everyday life in the world of the crossing, what does it look like and what do you do there? Well, I'm the, my job title is IT manager. So somehow, you know, I'm in charge of the networks and all, you know, um, the servers and the infrastructure. And at some point I just inherited the church management system um, even before Rock, because in our church, we decided we needed someone who owned the product in the sense that they knew they might not work in every part of it every day. Certainly that's not realistic, um, but at least you know how one piece affects the other and you know what's coming down the pike and you're keeping your eye on bugs and all that kind of stuff. So that just fell on me and, um, and I love it because it lets me scratch itches. You know, I, I have a degree in computer science, thought I wanted to be a programmer back in the late 90, uh, late eighties. And, uh, and then I sat next to real programmers who just kind of spew code as if they're having a conversation. And I'm like, that, that's not the way it works for me. I have to really struggle to come up with an algorithm or to, to figure out what I'm trying to do. So I went down the IT path uh, the data administration path. Um, but Rock lets me circle back. And with Lava, with workflows, I can scratch those programmer itches because I can accomplish really cool things without ever touching code. That's great. That's, what, that's exactly what it's all about. Yeah. So on a daily basis, I pretty much live in chat, which is kind of a, a running joke. They're like, do you even have a job? Because you're in chat all the time. <laughs> I do. I, do. I keep the window. I keep one eye on it, but um, once in a while, I have to shut it down when I need to tunnel, so to speak. We call it tunneling. But um, but my superiors keep they consider it part of my job responsibility to to keep my my thumb on the pulse mm -hmm. of rock. Um, I have a knack for just seeing a bug go by because uh, I watch the GitHub feed. I don't watch GitHub itself, you know, in real time, but I watch the the channel. And uh, someone will come along and they're, I'm having this problem. I'm like, that's a bug that's been reported. Here it is. You know, um, I don't know why I have a knack for remembering those, but I do. Yes, you so, definitely um, do. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for applying that to the community. Yeah. yeah. So, Jim, a lot of people have told us um, previously that as they've dropped into our chat community, they get a little intimidated by the level of technical speak that's happening there. And uh, and have come back and said their immediate feedback is, oh, I'm not a programmer. I don't know if I can do this thing. So I, I love how you were just talking about your uh, preference for the way you like to work and, and the strengths in your skill set and how that applies to Rock. Um, but when you started Rock, you were also completely starting from scratch, right? Like Rock didn't pre-exist and you didn't have pre-existing Rock knowledge. So you started from ground zero. Yeah, absolutely. Just like everybody else, you start asking questions, you read the documentation, <laughs> uh, <laughs> especially the lava docs. And, um, and you know, it seems like one of those things where it's so intimidating and like, I'm never going to get this. And then you don't even, you can't even identify when it happens, but suddenly you're able to write down a piece of lava without having to go back to the docs and, and get, use it as a reference. It's just part of your knowledge. You, you've absorbed it. And uh, you only do that by doing it. So, I think it's one of those, uh, Rock is a little bit 
of this crazy like enigma because I think people think just because you can extend it in these really advanced ways that you have to. And then once a, a new person comes into the community, they see it being done that way and they think, oh, well, I have to be a programmer or this or that. Mm-hmm. And the, the truth is out of the box, it's just like every other system. You don't need anything, but just because you can doesn't mean you have to. And I think that's something that we always have to keep you know, repeating because I think it's a lot of people are doing really cool things and you, that's cool. That's the power of people. Like you, you can do a lot of, of amazing things as much as any other product without those skill sets. So what, yeah, and, what would the and advice even when be? when you do need some customization, you can do so much with Lava and workflows mm-hmm. right. before you ever have to get into messing with the block. You know, before all we could do is go to a block and we had uh, a module, I think the old system called it. And that's where you had to edit even front end stuff. But, um, with rock, you can do all sorts of stuff with the UI, um, that you, you know, you don't have to touch code and it's pretty rare, you know, so we love it. So what advice do you think we should give to somebody who's brand new and peeking inside the community and the product for the first time? Um, well, don't be intimidated, um, which is tough. It's easy to say tough to do, but, um, I'd say just jump in, you know, don't, don't feel, um, embarrassed asking what you might think is a stupid question. There are no stupid questions. Um, and for people that, you know, are wanting to get more involved, uh, don't like I've been accused because <laughs> I'm in there all the time, but I'm, I'm like an anomaly. I don't have children. I got married late in life. Um, have a lovely wife, been married 10 years, but children just weren't in the cards. And uh, so I have lots of free time, you know, um, sitting at home, um, at work and uh, I get accused of like being too quick it's like before I even have a chance to answer something <laughs> you've already answered it and my response to that is sorry I don't mean to be a hog um, but always always throw your answer in, you know mm-hmm. just because um, my answers are often wrong a lot of times they're pure guesses um, I, like I think this is probably what you're talking about or this is the way it might work I like to pepper my responses with maybe, I think it could be, <laughs> mm-hmm. yep, that's but good. always, always jump in. It's not like I own a thread or anybody, you know, the first person to respond now is responsible for that thread. It's jump in and say, you know what? My experience has been different than that. And, and I think it could be this. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Yeah. So, or, or even agree. I think, like you said, there's no one authoritative source to sort of have two people say, yeah, that, that, that's, that's exactly right. Or yeah, we found that to be true also. I think that is helpful. It gives the person more confidence and that the person who answered first gives a little bit more, them a little bit more confidence too, that the answer is right. I'm, I'm with you. Like point. sometimes I'm answering and I, I'm pretty sure that this is the answer, but either I don't have time to dive into deep into the code. And so I feel a little nervous sometimes even putting a quick answer out. I do. Because I think it's helpful, but I'm I'm with you. I'm like, well, I'm pretty sure without looking at the code that it's this, but I right. I have been wrong too. And because Rock is so flexible, if they're asking a, a more open ended question about how to do something, there could be a hundred different ways to do it That's correctly. Mm-hmm. So no two ministries tend to be the same. Then the more answers that you have um, can help the person get to the same place, or can kind of inspire the creative thinking to. To approach it from their unique angle too yeah but but the key is really get in there and answer even if you're unsure and, and 
you don't have to worry because it couldn't be more embarrassing than me who I have answered a question about a feature I wrote and documented and I got the que- I got the answer wrong. So you're not it's not going to be that embarrassing. So just go for it. That's right. We are a growth mindset community. Yeah, and I've done that. I wonder if there's a correlation between the people who answer the most questions and the people who ask the most questions. Maybe mm. that they aren't happening at the same time necessarily, but do right. you, do the the people who answer the most start out as the people who ask the most? Imagine. It, it could be because, boy, I asked a lot. So, Jim, there's one more community role that you have that I think a lot of people don't realize that you have, and that is related to this podcast and, in fact, every podcast we record. Tell us a little bit about your role there. Yeah, I get to edit these things. So, um, funny story. This is the story I was mixing up in my head uh, at the very beginning of this podcast, but um, a couple of years ago, I'm in an airport and I run into John post uh, RX and I, we got to talking and I said, Hey, I love the podcast. And, and at that time, I think you were even debating about whether to keep doing them or not, or mm-hmm. whether they were useful. And I'm like, I love them because it gives me this insight into the core team that I don't get anywhere else. And uh, please keep doing them. But the, the audio seems to be all over the map. Sometimes it, sometimes they're really loud. Sometimes they're very, you know, dim and I have to turn up and I can't hear them in my car. And I'm kind of a, a sound nerd and uh, I'd be happy to, to take a look and, you know, and he's like, they're yours. Here you go. So, uh, <laughs> again, <laughs> careful what you complain about <laughs> in the rock community because you will get a job. Um, so, uh, that was like, I don't know, two or three years ago, and I've been editing them ever since. And there's not a whole lot of editing. There's taking out a lot of jokes and stuff at the beginning and uh, mixing in some music. And um, sometimes John is, you know, hitting me in chat like real time saying, at 214, please remove this word because I sounded like, you know, an idiot. An idiot, yeah. <laughs> That's quite common. So, so, um, that's one of my roles, and um, I love it. And they sound I get to hear so the much podcast better before anybody else. That's, That's right, you do, and they do. They sound so consistent now. So thanks for all your help with that. I try, I try. So, so yeah. you've mentioned running into John after a conference a couple times now, and you've been to all of our conferences. I think right every rock conference we've had. I have. What's your perception of the conference over time? Um, it just keeps getting bigger and better. Um, it, I don't think I've ever been involved in a community that went from, you know, 50 people sitting in a room. I don't know how many were at that one at CCV. Um, it was, maybe it was closer to a hundred, but it was less than a hundred, but yeah, it's somewhere around there. It was a small room of people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then go back to, to, you know, new spring just a few months ago. And it's like, Holy moly, you know, what is God doing with this product? Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's like a rocket ship. Ironically, that was the theme of, of the last RX is, you know, rockets. So um, I think it's amazing. Um, I'm really looking forward to see where it goes in the future. And I'm just glad to be uh, part of the ride. Yeah, we're so glad you're part of the ride too. Yes, we are. Well, thanks for providing a platform where I can, you know, get to use some of my gifts and um, give back. For the benefit of everyone. Mm-hmm. Thank you for continuing to show up and to pour things back into making everybody better. That's been incredible. I love it. 
Well, thanks for joining us this morning for uh, an opportunity for the community to get to know you a little bit better. Uh, we've had a great time hanging out today. and just want to say thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. This episode of RockCast is brought to you by Rock sponsor, Ministry Dynamics, a Wi-Fi presence and equipment provider. Connect with Ministry Dynamics today at rockrms.com slash sponsors.